0: If you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 12 and verse 28 is going to be where we start. And uh, my wife is at home with, with Zeke and we appreciate all of the calls and the prayers and some of the visits and the texts and all the gifts. Uh, he is doing well and we are thankful for the Lord that, that God has given him to us and we can't wait to bring him here to church and let him start learning how to worship along with the greatest saints that this world has ever seen and that's y'all. And uh, I appreciate that. So if if I stumble a little bit, just chalk it up to baby fatigue and we'll uh, figure it out. Mark chapter 12 and verse 28 says this. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he answered them well, asked him, that's Jesus, asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus answered him and said, the, great, or the first of the commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and with all of thy soul and with all of thy mind and with all of thy strength. That is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And, the, and there are no other commandments greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Master... Well, thou hast said truth, for there is one God, and there is none uh, greater than he. But to love him with all heart and with all thy understanding, with all thy soul and with all thy strength, and to love thy neighbor as himself is more than all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Within that, that little diatribe, you find that worshiping, loving God, living for God requires you to do so. With all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. That means you must love him with your soul. We're going to talk a lot tonight about your soul. You're to love him with all your soul. You're to love him with all your heart. That's all of your emotions. You're to love him with your mind. That is the intellect and the, and the, the mental side of things. And you are to love him with all of your strength. That's the physical side. And so in doing so, I hope we can... Begin to realize how important those four are. Last week on a Wednesday night, we introduced uh, the boundaries. And we said that there are uh, three reasons for boundaries. Boundaries define. You get definition by the boundaries in which you are in. The reason Missouri is called the Hill State is because it's defined by the boundaries. The reason water looks like a glass is because it's in a glass. It shapes it. It defines it. It also, boundaries contain whatever's inside of those boundaries. They're contained. And also those boundaries protect from what's on the outside. We spent some time last week talking about why we have trouble with boundaries. What does it mean? What happens when people cross those boundaries? Why do we cross them? Why do we move them? Why do suddenly boundaries not matter anymore? There are two reasons. One is willful disobedience. I know the truth. I don't care about the truth. And then the second is negligence. You just slowly lose track of where things are and what is happening. Of these boundaries, today and probably next Wednesday, Lord willing, I want to talk about the boundaries and your life. There's other boundaries we're going to talk about as we go farther, but for at least the next two Wednesday nights, I believe, we're going to talk about boundaries and your life. I will tell you right now, I need and you need boundaries. I'm firmly convinced that a person without boundaries is a person that cannot be saved. Boundaries matter. I think every time you look in a, in, at, at, at things, as we said last week, uh, the Garden of Eden had boundaries. Noah's Ark had boundaries. Even places that Abraham walked had boundaries. And let me just help you out. When you get to heaven, there will be boundaries. In fact, the Bible is very specific in the book of Revelation as to how big heaven is. There are boundaries. But first off, more than anything, now, now we, we mentioned those four things your, your, your soul, your mind, your heart, and your body. First and foremost, your soul needs boundaries. Everything about you and I emanates from our soul. You and I are spirit beings first and foremost. We are separate. Don't let anybody tell you. I I know we look, some of you, well, maybe not all of you. Some of you, I know you look like monkeys, and 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 maybe it's not hard to think that that you and monkeys are are, you know not that far removed in the genetic structure. But can I tell you it don't matter what animals out there, it doesn't matter what is there. There is one thing that separates you from everybody everything else, and that is your soul. It is not your intellect. Because there are animals that are far smarter than we are. There are animals that have learned to uh, somehow do multiplication. There are animals that have learned how to uh, look at things and almost read, if you will. There are plenty of animals that are smart. But you and I have the breath of God within us. In fact, I would say that we have a double portion of God's breath. We have breath in us because we are human. And we have God's breath in us through His Spirit, a double portion. But our souls ought to be the most important. It ought to be the most valuable possession that you and I have. Every thought, every action, every word, and every deed is connected to our soul. And I will say this a lot, but I find it very interesting that in everything else in our life, We're okay with boundaries. But a lot of people say, I don't want boundaries on my soul. Why do you lock your car? Because you don't want someone to take what you have inside your car out. Some of you have been victims of of theft. You've been victims of of robberies or burglaries. And so we lock our house and we lock our car and we put things in a safe. And you have a a safety deposit box and you get uh, ADT to come and put monitors around your house. And we do a lot of things in this world to protect ourselves. But the first and foremost thing you ought to protect is your soul. Let me read a bunch of verses very quickly to set the stage. Leviticus chapter 5 and verse 1. If a soul sins and hears the voice of swearing and is a witness and whether he hath seen or known of it and he does not utter it, he will bear his iniquity. If a soul toucheth any unclean thing. It's not if a person sinned. The Bible very quickly is explaining that the sin affects the soul. Leviticus 5.15. If a soul commit trespass and sin through it, innocence. Leviticus 5.17, if a soul sin and commits any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, even though he wist it not, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. Leviticus six two. if a soul sins and commits a trespass against the Lord. You better protect your soul. Uh... This, the, before church mom and dad came over to see the baby And, and so me and dad drove into church And we got to talking about this And I quoted this verse to him What does a man profit it If he gain the whole world and lose his soul What shall a man give in exchange for his soul The thing that frightens me the most Is not the loss of possessions It's not the loss of my physical body It's not the loss of my mind. It's should I ever lose my soul. That's why I must have boundaries. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, for they're not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to both destroy thy soul and thy body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And yet one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very heads, hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, for you are more valuable than many sparrows. For whosoever shall confess before me before men, him shall I confess also before my father which is in heaven. And whosoever shall deny me before men, him shall I also deny before my father which is in heaven. Jesus said you need to fear losing your soul. And so because of that, we need boundaries around that precious thing. First off, one of the verses I quote quite often, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You cannot. Uh, Get God by surprise. God knows what's going on in the soul. And so who better to help you with boundaries than the one that knows everything about you already? It's 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And then Paul said, I pray that God will your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, in his pastoral epistles, said, I pray that your soul would be kept to the coming of the Lord. There would be boundaries. He goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22, above that he said, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance, of evil. Those are boundaries. And if you do those things, you will be kept until that day. It's important for you and I to have boundaries on our body. Matthew chapter 5 gives an interesting, uh, not a parable I guess, really a, a, a commandment. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it's profitable for thee that one of your members should perish, and not that thy thy whole body should be cast into hell. If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it away from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast in hell. The idea is this. If you've got a problem watching and looking at things that are going to cause you to go to hell... Jesus said, I'd rather you put all your eyes out, pull them out of your head and throw them away and be blind for the rest of your life if that's the only way for you to put boundaries in your life. Now, I will say that that is not the proper way to handle boundaries. We, God never intended for us to become hermits. God never intended us for to, us to insulate ourselves from this world so that we won't sin because that's just not how it works. You've got to learn boundaries. But it would be better if your hand keeps stealing things. Cut your hand off. That way you would not have a hand, but maybe you would quit stealing. Paul says it this way, Romans 6:11. Likewise reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's boundaries. Let not sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it, In the lust thereof. Do not yield your members, do not yield the parts of your body as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And so it is that Paul understood that boundaries around our body and around our soul are important. In fact, he said uh, in 1 Corinthians, when it talks about that we, we run a race, we're all running it, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain the prize. And they're, they're striving for a corruptible crown. They're striving for one of those olive leaf crowns that are going to wilt away. But you and I, we are, we are struggling, we are running, we are pressing toward the mark. We are pressing to gain an incorruptible crown but but Paul said and he was using it in terms of physical activity he said but i keep my body and bring it under subjection lest by any means when i have preached to others i myself would be a castaway can i tell you that Paul was a man just as you and i are are human Paul struggled with it that, that even though we look at Paul as a great apostle and and, and he's kind of right up there in the terms of the, the heroes of faith. But Paul said, I've got to keep my own body under subjection because when I don't, I don't practice what I preach. That's what he says, lest when I've preached others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul said, i got to make sure that the boundaries I set for others, I keep them myself. In terms of putting those boundaries, let me give you some practical boundaries. First off, you need to put boundaries around your eyes. Matthew, Jesus records, or Matthew records the words of Jesus this, You've heard it said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now that was a long time ago that he wrote those words. Now, don't get me wrong, sin has always existed in mankind. In fact, in reality, even though there's new ways to sin, there are no new sins. There's been all sorts of hideous behaviors ever since Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. But can I tell you that back in Jesus' time, you kind of look at that and and he would look on that woman to lust, and and his heart would burn with lust. And Jesus said, "You've already committed adultery." And you were looking at at you know they didn't have all the stuff we have. I I grew up in a, in a different time. I'm that that kind of middle generation where you had print to now. My my kids they have uh, everything online and they have it all right there. Uh, I grew up and and the the. That, that pornography, if you will. You had to go down to the corner store or you had to go to somebody's house that had it or you had to talk about it in the back of the bus. But now every one of your, your phones, everything you have contain far more than what it is and you've got to learn to set boundaries. I was listening to a pastor today. He, he, he was writing and he was talking about uh, going to an older family's home. And I think it happened today. he went there, maybe yesterday. But he said he went to this older family's home and he gets in there and they, they go to church. They love God and this, this older couple, they were so loving and so kind to each other and just really connecting and, and, and he was so privileged. But while they were sitting there talking, the news came on on the TV. And they stopped talking and they watched the news. And of course everything you watch today is horrid, hate-filled, violence. And he said it didn't take, but as soon as that news was over, that husband and wife were yelling and hollering and screaming at each other and, and, and they had lost that love. And that pastor concluded it was because of what they had watched. That simple thing had, had somehow connected with their, their spirit and they became the very thing they were watching. We have to be very careful today what we see remember that old little song, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see? For your Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see? So important. But it's, and, and, and we don't talk a lot about it. And it's very, it's very interesting to see the reactions from behind this pulpit that I see. As soon as I mention the word pornography, everybody's head bows, nobody looks. We don't like that word. But I have lived long enough to realize that that runs rampant through our young men. It runs rampant through our men. And now it's running rampant through our young ladies. And it's running rampant through our ladies. And we have got to understand that as this world spins farther and farther away into a horrid cesspool of sin, the boundaries of what we watch matter. It starts so simply. No one starts by looking at the pornography. But it starts by what you begin to put in through what you read, through what you watch, through, through how you let your eyes scan crowds. Matthew went on to say this in Matthew chapter 6, or, or Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one or love the other, or he will hold on to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve both God and Mammon. Now, this is why... As a pastor, it's so, it saddens me when I watch people talk about what they watched on TV or watched in a movie or watched on Netflix or watched on Hulu or whatever way you watch because that tells me what's coming in. The light of the body is the eye. It's an old saying that, that I learned in school. They don't use it now because computers have changed so much. But when I went to school, coding was a whole lot more important. And you couldn't just click icons. You had to actually type code, uh, computer code, to get where you were going. And I remember learning as a kid, garbage in, garbage out. If you type the wrong code into your computer, you weren't going to get the right thing. What you watch, what you see... Affects your soul. Which is why, if all you watch is negative news, you'll tend to be a negative person. If all you watch is lust filled debauchery, that's what you'll become. If all you watch, if all you partake is violence, that's what you become. The light of the body is the eye. And here's what the Bible says. You can't serve both. You cannot say, I have enough Holy Ghost that I can watch some things that aren't right and my Holy Ghost overpower that. Because the Bible says you're only going to serve one or the other. I would tell you, this is why Paul said, I- I've got to be careful when I preach lest I do myself a disservice and I become a castaway. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. What's good for the crowd is good for the pastor. What's good for the layman is good for the ministry. You better guard what you watch. There ought to be boundaries. You ought to be big enough to put boundaries around your own life. But parents, if they can't, put boundaries around them, please. Your ears are so important. What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? I don't have time to go into it, but I would take you to 2 Samuel chapter 13 and tell you about a a son of David by the name of Ammon who who fell in love with a sister and and knew that was wrong and that the Bible or or God's word uh, would not have approved of that. But the Bible says in the third verse, but Ammon had a friend whose name was Jonadab and he was a subtle man. That whole story of the incest that happens between Ammon and Tamar happens because he listened to a friend. Boundaries are important. Who you hang around with is important because they have a tendency to speak and we hear them. And if we don't have boundaries, this is what Proverbs 23 says, Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. Remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. For their Redeemer is mighty, he shall plead their cause with thee. Apply thy heart unto instruction and thy ears to the word of knowledge. That's why Jesus said several times, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Because it's important what you listen to. What is the message that's flowing through your ears? What are you allowing to come in? Who is speaking into your life? Young people, if you're letting people speak into your life other than your pastor and your parents and your and your youth pastor and ministerial staff, if you're listening to other people giving you advice, you're in a bad spot because you are listening to a friend who's speaking subtly. You could end up like a, Ammon, it's important that you surround yourselves with people who speak the truth. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, I speak to them in parables because they don't see and they don't hear and they don't understand. And so in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which said, By hearing you shall hear and not understand, and seeing you shall see and shall not present perceive for the heart, people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes are closed. Blessed at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and then I heal them. For, but blessed is their it, but blessed are your eyes for they see and blessed are your ears for they hear. What are you listening to? Second Timothy Paul says to Timothy, he says, For the time will come that they shall not endure sound doctrine, but shall, after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. What are you listening to? I could, I could and you could do it to me as well. It is so easy to do a spiritual autopsy of your life all I would have to do is see what you're watching, what are you pulling in, and that could be books that you read, it could be movies, videos, what's on your, your computer, doesn't matter, whatever comes through your eyes. I could look at what you're watching, and I could look at who and what you're listening to, and I can do a spiritual autopsy on you and a spiritual autopsy on me. Be careful, little ears, what you hear, put boundaries around them. And then as the song would progress, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you speak. We just spent some time in the book of James uh, earlier this year. And we talked about that we put bits in the horse's mouth so that they obey us. And we can turn an entire horse with that bit in the mouth. And those ships, they're big ships, but they're turned by that seemingly little tiny rudder or helm. But how so much the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things and look at the fire it kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue among our members defiles the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire the the fires of hell. The tongue. What do you speak? What comes out? I would say that what comes out is probably a, 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 a... Consequence, or it's the, the, the result of what you're putting in. Says going on in, in that same chapter of James, who is, wi- who is a wise man and do with knowledge among you? I'll tell you who's wise. The one that shows a good conversation and his works with meekness and wisdom. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says this Let no Corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. That mouth has a way, uh, Proverbs says, the wounds of a tail go down deep. But in this world today, we we don't have any boundaries anymore. We can say whatever we want to say and it doesn't matter. We can watch and do whatever we want to watch and and, and it doesn't matter. But I will tell you today that regardless of the morality of this world, God's morality stands strong. We're living in a day of abject racism. We're living in a day of, of just utter hatred. A day when when nothing is sacred anymore. Those boundaries around our soul, around our eyes, our ears, our mouth, then even around our actions. The Bible's full of talking about the actions. You and I, we're going to be judged on what we do. Judged on what we say, judged on what we listen to, judged on where we allow our minds to go. You say, well, how can you be judged on a thought? Well, Jesus said you could be judged on a thought. If a man thinketh in his heart, lust upon a woman, then he's already committed adultery. You're, you're, you're going to be judged on your thoughts. It's important that you and I understand the, 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 the reason for those boundaries. How many of you have heard this statement, you are what you eat? Heard that? I can tell you that you could change that you are what you hear. You are what you say. You are what you speak. You are what you do. It's so important. And you've got to have boundaries. In those boundaries, in life, There's going to be two ways that you get boundaries around you. You can either put the boundaries yourself or something or someone else is going to put boundaries around you. So I'm asking you tonight, what boundaries are you going to put around your life? Next week... And I didn't didn't know how long it would take me to get through this part. And I don't want to get into the next one because the next one is so vitally important. Next week, among other things, I'm going to talk about the boundaries of your mind. Because we live in a day and age right now where mental health or or unhealth is, is rampant. Never in history have we ever had so many people with mental illnesses and mental diseases and their minds are tormented and their minds are fractured and broken. And you've heard me say from this pulpit, I understand there are literal, uh, uh, real mental illnesses that come from chemical imbalances. Yes, I believe in doctors and things of that nature. But I also realize one of the reasons our minds are so fractured is because we've never put boundaries around them. And they have been the devil's playground for years and generations. And families keep growing. And there's never been any boundaries. And now we are where we are. So next week, I'm going to talk about the boundaries of our mind. Because the Bible does talk about what we think. But what boundaries do you have? I, I there, there are some boundaries that I've set as pastor, especially in our leadership guidelines that we have. There's been sermons I've preached behind here. I could set a bunch of boundaries. Those boundaries are only as good as how you use them. I'm afraid... As we get older and farther away, we start making excuses about why those boundaries really don't matter anymore. Well, it's, things are different. I'm that was the old days. They they used to you know preach against I love Lucy and, and all of that. And you know, it just it's so far, I right? and we start making excuses, and what happens is we start picking up those boundaries, we start moving those boundaries. And here's the problem about moving boundaries. Once you move them, it's really hard to move them back. It's really hard to... How many of you have a dog that likes to get out of, the, of your yard and your kennel and you have to go chase it? It's much easier to, for that dog to stay in the fence, right? If you ever get a dog out of that fence, it's a whole lot harder to get him back in the fence once that dog has found the hole in the fence what does he do as soon as he gets out? same hole and so you fix that hole but that dog has already in his mind realized that if there is a hole I can get out of this fence so I'm going to find another hole I'm going to create another loop hole I'm going to find another way so some of the reasons that you and I struggle is because we've let some boundaries slip now we're facing the consequences of it the reason this world is facing the, the chaotic stuff we're going through is because people kept pulling up the boundaries, doesn't matter anymore. doesn't matter Boundaries are important. And so I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I want you, I'm going to ask you a series of questions as your, hand, as your heads are bowed and I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not even asking for a verbal response. I'm asking that you would listen to me, but, but listen to the Word of God, if you will. And as I say these questions, you need to be as if God is, is looking right at you and saying these questions what is the boundaries that you have for your soul what are some things that you absolutely will not cross because your soul is important do you have any boundaries because the boundary of the soul seem to be a little bit non-tangible we go a little further what are the boundaries you've set for your eyes What do you do throughout this? Where does curiosity lead you in what you watch and what you do? What boundaries are there? Do you need boundaries? Is that a place where you struggle with? Is Is that a place where you realize what you've been allowing to come through your eyeballs is not conducive to living for God and you need help? What boundary must you set? Bible says if your eye offends you, pluck it out, throw it away. I would tell you that, that maybe you don't have to pluck your eye out, but maybe you need to start turning off the phone at night. Maybe you need to put some limits on your, your online activities. Maybe you need to get some accountability in what you do. Maybe you need to let your mom, your dad, your husband, your spouse, your wife, maybe they need to have access to what you're watching and seeing so they can see it. What boundaries do you have? Do you need them? It comes to what you hear. Who's speaking into your life? What voice are you listening to? What, what is giving you the advice? Where are you gaining that wisdom of this world from? What music are you listening to? What does the lyrics say? What is the message behind it? Do you need boundaries in those areas? Some of you need to get new friends. Because the friends that you're with right now are leading you astray, and because you're not strong enough, you're going with them rather than they coming toward the Lord. What boundaries do you need? What are you speaking? What comes out of your mouth? The Bible says, "Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth." What do you speak on a daily basis? Is it filthy? Is it gossip? Does it tear others down? Does it it go against the word of God? Do you speak things that the Lord would not be pleased with? What is there? Do you need boundaries? What do you do? What are your actions? What, What do you do with your life? Do you need boundaries? I believe as I've given you these questions, they're rhetorical if you will. But I believe that the Lord is speaking to you right now, and in that, without me having to, to spend 40 minutes giving you the V's and the vows and the do's and the don'ts," and, and, and I could give you a whole paper of what you ought to do, and you could take it home and you could say, "Well, here's the paper, but that would be like giving you the law in the Old Testament, and we're far beyond that. You've got to do it not because pastor says it. You've got to do it because your soul is the most important thing in your life. I want us to stand right now and I want you just to raise your hands and I want you to talk to the Lord for a moment. As we play here without a lot of fanfare, without a lot of things happening, I want you just to talk to the Lord and if there's anything that God spoke to you about, I want you to kind of say, Lord, would you help me? Would you help me set some of those uh boundaries and fences back. Would you talk to him right now?